0: Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message.
1: Came to earth, lived as a man, lived among his people, saw the great needs in his people and yet he came for a specific purpose. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came and whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came and died a cruel death on a cross so that you and I could be free. Father God, I thank you for this Good Friday. It's sometimes a very solemn occasion when we think about the cross and the, the work you did and the way you were betrayed, the way you were beaten and scourged. And died a humiliating death on a cruel cross at Calvary. And today we want to talk about the blood, how power, there's power in the blood, even today. The precious blood of Jesus is here to heal, save, set free, and deliver. And Father, as I just share from the word of life, Father God, I thank you that we'd grasp the revelation of what the blood can do for us today. It lives, it ever lives, like Jesus ever lives. And we thank you, Father, for your sacrifice. Thank you for sending Jesus. If you love the Lord, you'll say amen. Let's just take our seats. So I'm going to share this morning on the power, this power in the blood. You know, God instructed Moses when the children of Israel were in captivity to partake of Passover, because they were going to be released from bondage. And Moses was instructed that all the families would take a, an innocent, spotless lamb, they'd sacrifice it, and they'd put the blood in a bowl. And God instructed Moses, he said, what you need to do is you need to take hyssop, which is a little lowly plant, and you need to dip it in the blood, and you need to paint it on the, the lintels and the doorposts. You know, they say hyssop is um, like an antiseptic. It's got, it's got healing properties. This is what they say. And, and it says that they had to apply the blood. So what do the doorposts and the lintels represent? What are they part of? Maybe a door? What does a door represent? Access, doesn't it? Access to people's lives, doesn't it? So, staying under the blood. God said, if you stay under the blood, stay in your household, the death angel is going to come over. I'm going to pass over you. And kill the Egyptians, the firstborn of the Egyptians. And you need to stay under the blood. They're instructed to stay inside the house. If they went outside, they were going to die. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, just turn with me to Revelation 12 verse 10. Not only were the Israelites protected, but then they were set free. This was just before... They left Egypt and went to find the promised land. So how does this relate to us? Can the blood, how does the blood relate to us today? Can it be of some kind of effect for us today? That's the question I want to ask. And we're going to have a look at that. So if you're there at Revelation 12 verse 10, it is on the board behind me. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Who's that? Satan, isn't it? And he accuses who? Christians. How often? Sometimes like the devil's always on our case. Is that right? Although Satan accuses us, how can we deal with his accusations? Let's turn to verse 11. It says there, and they, who's that? Who's the they? The Christians. And they overcame him. Who's that? The accuser. How did they overcome the accuser? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Although Satan accuses us, this verse says that we can overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Did you know that the... They call it the precious blood of Jesus. I said it earlier, that that is able to save, heal, set free and deliver. Do you believe that today? Amen. That's what we're going to look at today. It's still able to set us free. We overcome Satan when we begin to testify of what the word of God shows us and what the blood tells us and does for us. We make the words of our mouth line up with the words of God so that we can defeat the enemy when he comes to Uh, attack us and we can use it like a weapon what's part of the armor of god the sword of the spirit Uh, is the sword any good in the scabbard what are we meant to do with the sword we're meant to declare it haven't we don't we If if the if the if the devil accuses us how does he do that he does that in seed form do you know the word of god is a seed did you know that And we're planting seeds today and sowing seeds today. And what you've got to do, what we should do as Christians, is allow that seed to come into our heart. And then we've got to water it and keep it going and develop it. You know, Satan also sows seeds. Where does he sow those? In our minds. And sadly, some Christians want to meditate more on those words and water them. And they grow and grow a harvest of doubt and unbelief and I don't know what else. That's why the Word of God needs to be spoken out. Over our circumstances. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness, what did he say? Look, devil, I'm having a really bad day. I'm having a bad hair day. Just get out of my face. What did he say? He said, it is written. He spoke the word, didn't he? Why, why is that? Because the word of God is what? Alive. It's powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, some scholars say and have acquainted what we say and the use of the tongue to hyssop. Like that plant. In Exodus, they had to what? Apply the blood, didn't they? They had to apply the blood on the lintels and the doorposts. Now, the blood was no good left in the bowl. It would do nothing for them, would it? So they had to do what? They had to do something. They had to be active. They played an active role in God coming and uh, delivering them and taking them out of Egypt. They had to dip the hyssop in the bowl and do that with the, with the, um, with the blood on the, on the doorposts and the lintels. You know, when we confess with our mouth, what God has done and He's doing for us—that's like us applying the blood to our lives today. We're applying the blood to bring protection and deliverance, just like, just like those Israelites did over two thousand years ago. You know, that's why we ask people to give testimony. Testimony is very powerful. I know when people get up here and testify, especially what God has done in their lives. I feel very humbled by that, and that testimony is very powerful. It's very real to them, isn't it? Because many of you have had dark times in your lives, is that right? Maybe some of you have still got dark times in your lives. Maybe some of you are still going through the storms in life. Well, if we use the word of God, that's what Jesus did when they were in the boat and the storm rose. What did Jesus do? Oh, well, he was asleep first of all, wasn't he? And they were afraid. Where is he? Wake up, Jesus. We're, we're going to drown. And what did he do? He got up and did what? He spoke. When God created all things, what did he do? He just drew it on a map and said, "I think we'll, we'll. There's the plans. There's the outline. We'll just create something." No, what did he do? He spoke that into being. Our words are very powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we've got to use the weapons of our warfare. So let's start confessing and giving testimony of what God has done and is doing in our lives. So applying the blood. This isn't about begging God. We don't have to beg God for things. This isn't about getting things from God when we pray. It's not a special formula that guarantees results either. So let's start applying the blood over our lives and start confessing the goodness of God over our families, over our health, over our children, over our marriages, over our grandkids, and over our well-being. Apply the blood over every aspect of our lives. Why should we do that? Because, I know you don't know the answer to that. I ask a question you don't know the answer. That's all right. Because the blood speaks. Everyone say the blood speaks. How can the blood speak? Let's have a look at Hebrews 12, 24. Have you got your Bibles? Look at this. I love this. I got a real revelation when I read this. I think for the first time, I had a different view of what the blood could do for me and you. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood. What does it do? The sprinkled blood that speaks, what does the blood do? Blood speaks. How can the blood speak? It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You know, when Cain killed Abel, God said to Cain in Genesis 4-2, the message says this. God said, what have you done? Look at this. The voice, everyone say voice. The voice of your brother's blood is calling me from the ground. So God knew that Cain had killed Abel. And we're not going to go into that story. But he says, God's, God says, Abel's blood is crying to him from the ground. But he's saying, Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. How is that possible? You know, in the Old Testament, the priests would go once a year on the Day of Atonement. And he would, they would sacrifice a lamb. And they'd go into the Holy of Holies. And they would spread that blood on the mercy seat. And it would only atone for the sins of him and his people. Atonement means just to cover. That's what it means. So back then, when they killed a lamb and offered that lamb as a sacrifice and laid its blood on the mercy seat, it only covered the sin. And then the priest, the next year, had to do that until Jesus came. That's how they were. their sin was covered. But you know, Jesus went before the Father when he was crucified. He rose again and took his blood, his precious blood, and he put that on the mercy seat. Aren't you glad for that? He went to heaven for us and put that blood on the mercy seat. And that blood lives and speaks today. And it talks about, he's given us eternal redemption. And we're going to go through a few scriptures. Uh, When I come to the point, I'm going to go through some scriptures. And what I want us to do is declare afterwards. Just make a confession after those scriptures once once we get to them. So when the devil accuses us day and night and says you're not worthy, do you get voices like that, seeds like that from the enemy? You're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. God doesn't love you. He's not not interested in you. Did anyone get those seeds coming from the enemy? What should we do with those seeds? Put weed killer on them. What's the weed killer? Confessing the word. Fill our minds. That's why we need to renew our minds with the word of God. Why? Because what? Junk in. Junk in, junk out. And it's a continual process. We don't listen to one message and we're totally transformed. When you first got saved, you lived the way you were before you got saved. Is that right? I still smoked and drank and did all those kinds of things until I got to the place where I thought, hang on, my body's a temple. You know, I want to keep this temple good before God. How can I ask God to you know, protect me and heal me and keep me whole and keep me well if I'm sticking stuff in my body that's not good? Can you say amen? amen or oh me? When the accuser does that, what can we do? What happens in heaven? Jesus says, you know what, Father? They are worthy. They are my special prize possession. And that blood tells me that they are innocent. He points to the blood. When the devil accuses us, he points to the blood and says, Father, they are not guilty. They are innocent. I've taken the punishment for their sin. I've cleansed them from their sin. And I've taken their guilt and shame. Too many Christians still live with guilt and shame. You know, Christ took all of that on the cross, all of it. We've got to realize that. And all of that is under the blood. Are you under the blood? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully, after today, you're going to be more under the blood. So let's stop listening and agreeing to what the enemy says about it, and let's start confessing how God sees us. And say that, I'm a work in progress, and I've got a bit of a way to go. I'm still a work in progress. I've been a Christian 40 years, but I've still got a long way to go. No one's made it yet, all right? And we will have times of doubt and unbelief, all kinds of things, when stuff happens in our lives. And when the enemy gets on our case, and I sense The the enemy is really getting on our case and really attacking the church. Not just here, but the church worldwide. They're attacking the Word of God. Churches are going to stop preaching the Word of God. That's going to happen. And if they call preaching uh, conversion and and, and salvation, if they say you're not allowed to do that anymore, then I'm going to have a prison ministry because I'm not going to stop doing it. Praise Jesus. I'm glad someone's alive today. Tell tell your neighbor, I'm alive. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, I'm alive, even if you're not. Oh, oh! No, don't say that. Today, I'm going to share some verses, and I'd like you to declare afterwards what I'm about to say. Is that all right? Again, this is a shorter service today, so it's a. And all the all the all the religious said amen. Uh, okay. How does the blood speak to us? The blood speaks about redemption. Hebrews 9:12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, like they used to do in the Old Testament, that could only cover and atone for their sin. But with his own blood. He entered the most holy place. What's that? Jesus going where? Where's the most holy place? Heaven. And he put that blood on the mercy seat. Aren't you glad? Once for all, having obtained, what does that say? Eternal redemption. That word redemption or redeem means to buy back or to purchase. Jesus has purchased your salvation. Say that. Jesus has purchased me. Say, I'm his. I'm not the devil's. Okay, so let's declare the following. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Let's say that. Come on, let's say that again. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You know, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. Let's have a look at this next verse. It says there in Hebrews 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. You are forgiven. Has anyone sinned and done anything wrong? And sin could be, its not sin just isn't murder. It's not just murder. It's lying is a sin, is that right? Any of us tell white lies, don't put your hand up. Because people might judge you sitting next to you. But I think some of us, some of us have said white lies in the past. But take, take white out, what have we got? We've got a lie, it's still a sin. Aren't you glad that God's forgiven you? You're forgiven. How freeing is that? Christ has set us free because he's forgiven us of all of our sin. Past, present, all of our future sin. Although we, we shouldn't be sinning, we should deal with that. But that's paid for. Jesus isn't going to come and die again for your sin. Tomorrow. How many of you are going to sin tomorrow? Oh, there's one or two. who prays, "Say, we won't judge you or condemn you. No fingers pointing at you. You're all right. I'm just glad you could put your hand up. Say that I've been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Let's say it again. I've been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Let's. What about this? The blood cleanses us. Look at that. One John one seven. But if we walk in the light, how many of us are walking in the light? Who likes walking in darkness? Hey, I used to do that. My dad taught me a trick. I'd get up out of, you know, turn all the lights off and think, oh, where's the door? And I'd sort of walk like that in the dark, bang, straight in the door. So if you get up and you're silly enough like I was to turn all the lights off before you leave the room, right? Put your hand over your head like that. It works. All right, you're still going to bump your arm, but you're not going to bump your head, are you? So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, what does it do? Sets us free. Sons cleanses us from all sin. Say that. I have been cleansed from all sin by the precious blood of Jesus. Did you know the blood frees us? It sets us free? Ephesians 1.7. The good news says this. For by the blood of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. Put your hand up and say, I have been set free. Come on. I have been set free by the blood of Jesus. Say that. The blood also washes us. Look at that. It says there in Revelation in 1 verse 5, it says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins. Where, how? How did he do that? In his own blood. Say that. I've been washed, I've been washed. by the precious blood of Jesus. You know, the blood justifies us. And this isn't an exhaustive list. There's an exhaustive list somewhere. But this is just a, a short list that we can go through this morning. The blood justifies us. Romans 5 9 says this much more then, having new, now being justified by his blood, the blood of Jesus, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Say that. I've been justified because of the blood of Jesus. Could I have the band up, please? The blood declares that we are holy. How many holy people are we here? How many holy people have we got here? Some guy stood up, and I think he's the only one. We've got two people who think they're holy. What makes you think you're not holy? Hmm. What makes you think you're not holy? The word sanctification is the process of becoming holy. You are holy, you will be holy, uh, and you will be holy in the future. That's sanctification. It is a process. When we're we're, um, saved, we're fully righteous. So that means that's not an ongoing thing. That's not something that we grow into. We're fully righteous the moment we're saved. But after we're saved, when we renew our minds to the Word of God, we realize that God has made us holy. Say that. I have been made holy by the precious blood of Jesus. The word, the blood speaks of power. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame and conquered him. That was the first verse we, we read. But I'm reading that in the I think it's the Amplified. And they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. Say there's power in the blood of Jesus. Say that. There's power in the blood Of Jesus, You know, the blood gives us access to God. Did you know that? Because of Christ taking his blood and laying it on the mercy seat. Aren't you glad that there's a mercy seat and not a judgment seat? There is going to be a judgment seat at some point in time. But at the moment, there's a mercy seat. Amen. Where God is full, full of mercy. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, believers, say that, I'm a believer. believer. Since we have confidence... And full freedom to enter what? The holy place. You know, that priest was the only one who could go into the holy of holies. But when that curtain was torn, when Jesus rose from the dead, his flesh is is like that. His flesh was torn. And we can come through Jesus to enter the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence. How many of you have confidence to go before God? We don't when we've sinned, do we? You know, when we we sin or do something wrong, we're hesitant to go before God because we think He's going to judge us and say, He knows anyway. He knew it before you did it. That's why it's best to run to Him, isn't it? If we confess our sin to God, He's what? Good and just to forgive us all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's when we need to run to God. To enter the holy place where God dwells by means of the blood of Jesus. Say that. I have access to the throne of grace. Because of the blood of Jesus. Well, that was the shortest service I've ever done, I think. And I thought it would go on a bit longer than that. That was, that was 20 minutes, so it's a little homily, isn't it? So that's 20 minutes, so that must be a record for me. So what we're going to do now is we're going to get the band to come up, and they're going to play a song. It's an older song, and, and it speaks about exactly what I've spoken about today. And then I'm going to come up, I'm going to read one more verse, and then we're going to take communion together as a family. Thank you, Ben. Shall we just pray? Oh, look, you've got a special audience, Josh. (laughs) Shall we just pray? Father God, I thank you for Josh. I thank you, Lord, that you have a word and you have things to say to us. I thank you, Father, that you are going to speak to us now through what Josh says. Lord, help us to have ears to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. Good morning. Happy Easter, everyone. I was thinking back to last Easter and all of the things that have happened since last Easter because a lot happens in a year, doesn't it? Um, In particular, about six months ago, we had the really sad news of the death of Her Majesty the Queen. And I'm a school chaplain, and so as soon as we heard that news, a little WhatsApp group that I'm in with some other school chaplains started pinging. And what the chaplains were doing is they were sharing ideas of what they were gonna be doing at school the next day to help people kind of process this really tragic news. And some chaplains were saying they were going to open the chapel as a quiet space for reflection. Some chaplains were doing a whole school assembly the next morning to gather people together. And some chaplains were just going to be around and offer some pastoral support to those who were upset or in need. And I'd stayed intentionally very, very quiet for a very good reason. But someone picked up on it and sent me a message, at Josh, what are you doing tomorrow? And at this point, I had to confess that I wasn't going to be doing anything at school the next day. Because what had been in my diary for the next day at school, and what had been in my diary for a very long time, is I was due to supervise a school trip to Thorpe Park. (laughs) I'm not sure if that was the most appropriate thing to do on the first day of National Morning, but the trip went ahead. We all had a lovely time. And as, as staff, we were paired up to help supervise the children. And I learned very, very quickly that the member of staff I was paired with, who became my new best friend that day, was a theme park expert. He'd been to every theme park in the world, he'd been on every single ride multiple times. So when I had a dozen children come up to me and say, ''Sir, sir, sir, you've got to come on the swarm ride with us, it'll be hilarious.'' That's this ride up here, by the way, on the first picture. I turned to my Josh best friend and I said, ''Sir, will it be hilarious?'' So I politely declined, about half an hour later the children came back, sir, 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 you've got to come on Tidal Wave, it'll be so funny, that's the second photo, so I turned to my friend, I said, sir, will it be so funny, he said, Josh, it's a a very tame ride, he said, even you might enjoy it, so I accepted and had a wonderful time, but straight after that was finished, the children were not satisfied, sir, sir, they said, you've got to come on Colossus, oh, it'd be so much fun, it'd be hilarious. That's this third photo. I turned to my friend, I said, Sir, is it going to be hilarious? He said, Josh, there's 10 loop-the-loops. He said, you might enjoy it. He said, but I will need to sit next to you and we'll probably need to hold hands. <laughs> Which we did, all 10 loop-the-loops and had a wonderful time. Why was I really, pa- why was I really pleased to be paired with my new best friend? Well. He was an expert at theme park rides, not because he'd read about them, not because he'd watched a million YouTube videos about them, not because he'd uh, spoken to someone who had been on the rides. He himself had been on every single one. So I knew I could trust inside out. He'd done them. And more importantly, he was alive to tell the tale. I knew these rides were going to a problem because he was alive in the flesh in front of me telling me it would be okay and sometimes I think life is a little bit like a food is in park isn't it it's got all of its ups and downs it's got a park of life price of food is extorted. in this theme park of life who can we really trust to guide us through these ups and downs and these twists and turns because there are lots of people encouraging us to go on all sorts of rides lots of loud voices we trust in this thing called life? Well, I think Easter shows us there's only one person we can trust, and that's the person of Jesus. And why can we trust him? Well, the Easter story tells us he's the only person throughout all of history that has been through this thing called life, that has died, and then has come back in this miraculous resurrection, to tell the tale and what a great story it is he's there by our side in the flesh telling us it's going to be okay i've done this and that's why i think jesus is the only person that we can trust and easter tells us that you know everyone else's death no matter how long ago it was still has a certain sadness to it doesn't it even her majesty the queen six months on when people talk about her there's that sense of oh If only we'd had one more year, maybe. There's always that sadness. There's always that regret. If only we'd had that one conversation we wanted to have with that person. If only we'd been on that one more holiday. If only we'd told them we loved them one more time. But Jesus is the only one whose death has this happy end, this miraculous response on Easter Sunday, because we know that was not the end of the story. One of my favourite passages in the Bible about the Easter story is Matthew 28, verses 5 to 7. You're welcome to turn there with me now, or the words are going to come up on the screen. Matthew 28, verses 5 to 7. These amazing women go to visit the tomb, and the angel speaks to them. "'Don't be afraid,' the angel says. "'I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified.' He is not here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. It's just these three verses, but in a nutshell, it encompasses all the joy and the surprise and the shock and the delight of that very first Easter Sunday morning. No matter how many times we've heard this story, it's worth reminding ourselves of these words that the angel says, because this miraculous resurrection of Jesus coming back to life completely changes everything. The angel says three things. Firstly, that these women should come and see where Jesus' body lay. Jesus still said, told them this was going to happen. The angel has told them again, this has happened. But the angel still says, come and see. You're invited to come and see for yourselves what has happened. Secondly, these women are told to go and to go quickly to tell others about this good news. And thirdly, they're told that they're not... On their own that when they go and when they go quickly Jesus will meet them there and so this Easter Sunday we are celebrating with billions of Christians around the world in every single country this amazing resurrection of Jesus that really does change everything it validates everything he said and did because we know he is the one person that we can now trust and as we celebrate this Easter Sunday I wonder which one of those three things we might need to hear again from the angel. Are you someone who perhaps hasn't quite heard this story before? And the angel needs to say to you this morning, you're invited, come and see for yourself what has happened. Maybe you have heard this story before, and we need to be reminded of the angel telling us to go, and to go quickly to tell others this good news too. Or maybe it's the third thing the angel said, that when we go, we need to be reminded that Jesus will meet us where we are. So as I invite Richard to come up, I wonder whether we might think about which one of those three things we might need to hear fresh this Easter Sunday.
1: Can we just bow our heads, just close our eyes and let's just have a moment of reflection about what we've heard in these messages. Maybe you've never heard this message before. Who is this Jesus? What does he mean to me? What has he done for me? You know, love is demonstrated in many ways, and we need to demonstrate love. And Jesus demonstrated his love by coming into our world, which is very dark at the moment, to give his life as a ransom for many. Are you here this morning out of curiosity? Are you here this morning with many questions? Well, I have a question for you. Are you a part of God's family? Did you know that Jesus died for you? He died a cruel death on the cross so that you could be saved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God loves every person in the world. And did you know that he died for every person in the world to take their sin, their guilt, and their shame? And sometimes we don't really get that. Why do we come to church? It's a good thing to come to church, but church won't save us necessarily. Jesus will save us. Is there anybody here this morning who's not made Jesus the Lord of their life, their Lord and Savior? I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to just say, that's me. Jesus is tugging at my heart. He's knocking on the door of my heart. You know, the handle of that door is on the inside, and we've got to open our hearts up to Jesus. Would we hold our hand today? Would you be brave enough like Jesus? Is there anyone here? Hands up for us. Can we hold our hands up to him and say, yes, I need Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning that needs Jesus? Just raise your hand up while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I will see it, and more importantly, Jesus will see it. Anyone here this morning, let's believe that we're all right with God. What about you? You've come to church. You used to go to church. You gave up on church. Maybe church was a bad experience for you, but you're here today. And maybe you want to come back to God and you're not sure if God will accept you. God loves you and will always accept you. And he's waiting for you to, with his arms open wide, ready to receive you again. Is that you this morning? Maybe you've drawn away from God, you're backslidden, but you're here today. And you want to come back to the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to come back to God today. Okay, that's good. I'm just going to pray and pray a prayer for all of us as we go into the world as the church, because church isn't just about Sunday. It's every day of our living lives going into the world to reach people and to meet, for them to meet our Saviour. Father God, I thank you for this Easter service. I thank you for this Easter weekend where millions of Christians around the world are giving uh, praise to you, glory to you, and celebrating not just the cross, but your resurrection, that you rose from the dead. And Father, we want to celebrate that this morning. We want to confess that you are our Lord and our Savior. And we thank you, Father God, as we go from this place today that your angels would encamp around about us and keep us safe, free from all harm until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mark.